Hello there, folks. J-Bone here. Before we get into today's episode that breaks down my favorite obscure Formula One rule, I just have two quick asks from all of you. First, Spotify has finally added podcast ratings to the Spotify app. And if you enjoy the Formula Bone F1 show, it would immensely, immensely help the show reach new listeners. If you could head over to Spotify and give this podcast a five-star rating for me, it takes about five seconds. So if you could spare five seconds for J-Bone, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, also, while you're on Spotify, you can check out this crazy new feature that I got early access to where you can actually watch full video episodes of the Formula Bone F1 show directly on Spotify, either the mobile app or the web app, either one. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Look at my shining, happy face. And secondly, last night marked Formula Bones' first ever Twitch stream, and it was a massive success thanks to all of you. Well, not all of you, I guess, only those of you who showed up, but those of you who showed up made it a massive success. We actually peaked in the top 10 of F1 video game streamers worldwide on Twitch, which is crazy. The Boom Brigade just propelling me to new heights. I love you guys. And so... If you want to go on Twitch, you can watch me train for my upcoming Formula One video game career mode season, where I'll be playing an entire season of Formula One races in the F1 offseason to give all of you some F1 racing to watch during this offseason. I'm not a hero. I'm just a, I'm just a F1 content guy. So follow me on Twitch at Formula Bone. Get that nice. Well, most of it right now is me crashing. Okay. So if you want to see me crash, that's what a lot of it is, but I'm learning. I have a pretty much like a semi-professional sim racing coach right now who's teaching me the ins and outs of sim racing on my low-budget rig that I have. And so hopefully, after he teaches me to be a valiant lion, I'll be winning some races soon. But hey, right now it's all practice. Watch me practice and then watch me race at Formula Bone on Twitch. Super fun. Thanks to all of you who showed up so far. All right, let's get into it. This is the Formula Bone F1 show. J-Bone! Welcome back to the Formula Bone F1 show, the Formula One podcast that refuses to upgrade to 18-inch tires. The Bowmobile here that I record from will be on 13-inch tires until I run it into the ground like I'm currently running my 2008 Nissan Sentra SL into the ground. I am Jared J. Borislow. Thank you for joining me here today, and away we go. Today's main and only topic, don't break the 107% rule. Did you know that Formula One has its own unique version of a mercy rule under which cars that demonstrate poor pace during Grand Prix qualifying can be disqualified from racing in that Grand Prix? It's known as the 107% rule, but its official name is Article 4.7.1 of the F1 Sporting Regulations, which reads as follows, quote, unless the track was declared wet by the race director, any driver eliminated during Q1 whose best qualifying lap exceeds 107% of the fastest time set during that session or who fails to set a time will not be allowed to take part in the race, end quote. So to clarify, this means that if the track is dry, 
and the fastest lap in Q1 was clocked at, say, 100 seconds, any driver whose fastest Q1 lap is slower than 107 seconds or who never sets a time either due to mechanical error, a crash, or exceeding track limits a bunch, that driver will be disqualified from the Grand Prix. Seems harsh, right? You know, 100 seconds, 107 seconds. It's a pretty big gap, you know, in Formula One, but enough to, you know, make somebody say you can't race in the race, a little harsh, except it's not because there are some exceptions, okay? There's a clause in the sporting regulations about exceptions to the 107% rules enforcement once the 107% rule has been triggered. Quote, under exceptional circumstances, however, which may include setting a suitable lap time in a free practice session, the stewards may permit the car to start the race. End quote. It's not a bad Q1, you're out of here scenario. Fortunately for many drivers over the years, if you can otherwise prove your car is competitive, you're still allowed to compete despite triggering the 107% rule. However, those who trigger the 107% rule but don't incur its disqualification wrath do not fully escape punishment. Quote, any driver accepted in this manner will be placed at the back of the starting grid after any other penalties have been applied and behind any driver penalized under Article 5.7 or 5.8. Should there be more than one driver accepted in this manner, they will be arranged on the grid in the order they were classified in P3, end quote. Articles 5.7 and 5.8 that are referred to here refer to power unit usage and restricted number of components or RNCs, not Republican National Conventions. So this is essentially just clarifying that any driver whose best Q1 qualifying lap exceeds 107% of the fastest time set during that session or who fails to set a time, but who is deemed accepted to take part in the race despite that failure will then be placed behind all normally qualified drivers and those who have grid penalties. So you are placed in last last, unless someone else also triggered the 107% rule, but was still allowed to race, in which case you're placed in the grid, either in front of or behind that driver, depending on who had a faster FP3. An interesting thing to note here is that what I just read to you and explained is the current iteration of the 107% rule that's been in effect since 2011, not the original iteration of the rule that was in effect from 1996 to 2002. So let's go back to 1996 real quick to see how this rule began. Right after this. This episode of the Formula Bone F1 show is brought to you in part by my favorite leg garment manufacturers, Bird Dogs. I wear Bird Dogs shorts, pants, or joggers constantly. I'm actually wearing my favorite pair of Bird Dogs joggers right now if you're watching on YouTube or Spotify. Sometimes I even wear all three of shorts, pants, and joggers at once when it's really cold out and I want to wear three pairs of underwear and three leg garments at the same time for warmth and coziness. And yes, I said three pairs of underwear because Bird Dogs leg garments have a built-in liner that's both more comfortable and more convenient than whatever underoo situation you currently have going on. Bird Dogs built-in underwear feels better on my skin than the finest cashmere and is also super breathable and doesn't bunch up like traditional underwear. I love my Bird Dogs shorts, pants, and joggers so much that if my fiance leaves me, I'll probably just marry all of them instead in the world's first polyamorous leg garment ceremony. And yes, you'll all be invited to the wedding if that happens. 
So head to birddogs.com and get yourself the best shorts, pants, and joggers on planet Earth. And don't forget to use my code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, so that they throw in a free whistle-tip football. Yes, I said whistle-tip football. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com, enter promo code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, and they'll throw in a free Bird Dogs whistle-tip football. Do you remember those Norf, or Nerf, not Norf, I wonder if Norf was like a knockoff brand. Do you remember those Nerf Vortex Howler footballs that whistle when you throw them? The footballs, you can literally throw a mile. Yes, that one. Rumor has it, these things fly so far that F1 engineers study Bird Dogs whistle-tip footballs to glean aerodynamics data from them that they can then apply to their cars. That's a true story, maybe. BirdDogs.com, promo code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, and boom, a free Bird Dogs whistle-tip football with your pair of Bird Dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise you. Go to BirdDogs.com right now, load your cart up with the best shirts, shorts, pants, and joggers available on planet Earth. Plug in promo code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, to get that free whistling football and live happily ever after. That's BirdDogs.com, promo code FBONE. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. And thank you to Bird Dogs for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. If these things were not comfortable, I would not sit here in my race car bed and record this podcast in them. Think about that. All right. So the year is 1996. To get in the right headspace, imagine you're playing Mario Kart 64 while wearing a Gap hoodie and listening to Spice Girls, shouts to Christian Horner's wife, when I call you on your Motorola StarTac flip phone to say the following. Hey there, hope you're enjoying Rainbow Road. So the 107% rule was introduced in 1996 and served many purposes, both explicit and implicit. It was meant to solve a safety issue that arose when fast, competitive cars would have to deal with getting around slow, non-competitive cars, often driven by bad drivers. It was also meant to uphold Formula One's high standard of being the pinnacle of motorsport because it's not really the best look when you claim to be the best show on wheels and then you have what looked to be grandpas driving in jalopies out there on the racetrack. Another purpose of this rule, the 107% rule, was meant to serve as an implicit way to remove both pay drivers and automatic race entry for all teams from Formula One. Both of these were recent developments in the 90s where there just started to be a lot more pay drivers or drivers who were getting in because they had money, not necessarily because they were good drivers. And also automatic race entry for all teams. The grade was uh, shortened to 26 teams, and that was the minimum that you could start a race with. And so everybody who entered a car was able to get a spot, even if their car was really bad. And so there was you know, a lot of talk that it's not really good for the sport to have bad drivers and bad teams just putting out crappy cars. And so it's a very, very big reason why the 107% rule was put into place. Now, of course, like most things in Formula One, the 107% rule was not without controversy, mostly from, you guessed it, pay drivers and smaller teams. Smaller teams were angered by the fact that the rule went from idea to law in less than one season and they claimed that they did not have enough time to make their cars more competitive, you know, in between the time the rule was proposed and the time it was made into law. Smaller teams were also angered by the fact that the 107% rule made entry into Grands Prix for smaller teams far more reliant on that team's ability to secure a powerful engine rather than to have solid drivers and design a good chassis, which they claimed favored teams owned by engine manufacturers and those teams with a lot of money. It essentially said, hey, 
Like if your engine isn't able to compete with the engine of the team that has a lot of money or is making engines, you can't race, which is, I understand why the smaller teams are angry. It's like very clearly something that is going to target them, but you know, the rules makers make the rules. That's how it always is. So as far as why the 107% rule had a hiatus from 2003 to 2011, recently departed FIA president Jean Tote. He recently left the FIA. By the way, he's not dead. Uh, he stated that, quote, the reason why it was abandoned was because of the change in qualifying, which was happening with fuel to start the race in the car, end quote. What Tote is referring to is that in 2003, a rule change made it so that qualifying was done not via a one-hour shootout, which was how it had been for a little bit there, but over the course of a single flying lap, with the fuel in the car during that single flying lap being the same fuel that you had to start the race with. Tote believed it didn't make sense to include the 107% rule anymore after this change because cars would now be qualifying with different amounts of fuel in them, which would impact lap times greatly and could easily cause a more fueled car to exceed 107% of the lap time of a low-fueled car, but it could be due to strategy rather than performance. Which makes sense to me. As far as why the 107% rule returned as a rule, that has to do, once again, with fuel changes in Formula One. In 2010, in-race fueling was banned from Grands Prix. This big change greatly impacted qualifying, as back then, teams had to start the race with the same amount of fuel they had in the car at the start of Q3, a rule that relied on a car's ability to refuel during the race in order to make sense. So when in-race refueling was banned in 2010, qualifying was changed to match that so that all three sessions were then run at low fuel levels. Tote believed that because of these rule changes, it made sense to add the 107% rule back in as cars would all be on the same playing field as far as fuel is concerned, and because the cars not being on the same playing field as far as fuel is concerned is the reason why they took it out in the first place, he's like, oh, well, if we're taking that aspect out, why don't we add the 107% rule back in? But in the new iteration, in current iteration, it's only applied to Q1, not all of qualifying, as obviously if you make it out of Q1 without exceeding 107% of the leader, you've already proven that your car is competitive enough, so it wouldn't really make sense to then just throw you at the back of the grid. Support for the Formula Bone F1 show is also brought to you in part by MyBookie, where you can win money using your knowledge of F1 and other sports. From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while with MyBookie on their website, mybookie.ag. And right now, you can start your MyBookie journey off by doubling your first deposit instantly before you even place a bet because of MyBookie's first deposit bonus. All you have to do is sign up and deposit using my exclusive promo code formula at mybookie.ag. Stipulations apply, so make sure you read through those before you deposit. Right now, on mybookie.ag, you can place bets on Formula One 2022 season futures. Mercedes are currently minus 230 to repeat as constructors champs, which seems about right. However, if you believe in El Plan and have a high risk tolerance, you can snag Alpine at plus 4,000 or 40 to 1. El Plan. As far as the World Drivers' Championship goes, Lewis is minus 119 to win the 2022 World Drivers' Championship. Max is plus 181 to repeat as champion. And Carlos Sainz is at plus 2,000 or 20 to 1 
which is a bit of a value play if you believe in Ferrari's master plan. I like, I, you know, I, I got a high risk tolerance. I'm a risky boy. Carlos Sainz, 20 to 1, you have my attention. Head to mybookie.ag today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can get in the game and start winning big. That's promo code FORMULA to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Stipulations apply. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. But anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie at mybookie.ag, promo code FORMULA. Thank you to mybookie for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Okay, so as far as enforcement of the 107% rule goes, it has been triggered 69 times ever. Nice. By triggered, I mean that 69 times ever has a car failed to set a qualifying lap within 107% of the leader in either of the two rule iterations. Of those 69 times, 37 were under the original iteration of the rule and 32 were under the current iteration. Remember the exception clause that I spoke about earlier where the stewards can permit a car to start the race even if they break the 107% rule if they believe the car to still be competitive? So while the 107% rule has been triggered 69 times ever, nice, the driver who triggered it has only ever been disqualified by the stewards from the Grand Prix 28 times. More interestingly, of those 28 disqualifications, 24 happened within the six years of the original rule iteration and just four have happened during the 11 seasons of the current rule iteration. For those of you keeping track at home, that's 37 triggerings resulting in 24 disqualifications under the original rule iteration, which is a 65% disqualification rate, and 32 triggerings resulting in just four disqualifications, a 13% disqualification rate under the current iteration. So why the discrepancy? Why are so many more cars being allowed to stay in after triggering the 107% rule in the current iteration than were in the original iteration? Pretty much because the stewards have decided to be far more lenient nowadays. My take is that back in the original iteration, the rule was interpreted differently, namely to target non-competitive teams and pay drivers and uphold F1 prestige, whereas now it's more so interpreted as a race and driver safety rule. Also, the shortening of the grid from 26 to 20 places and improved parity in the sport due to a number of changes over the years have both contributed greatly as well to where the stewards know going in that there's no 40 or minority going to be in there being like, hey, can we race? Like, that's just not how it is nowadays. All the teams that are in have been shown to be competitive and, you know, it's it just makes a lot more sense that they'd be more lenient now because the pay drivers and smaller teams back in the day in the original iteration, some of them were truly terrible, like really bad. So here are some 107% rule fun facts. Fun fact, the two drivers most affected by the 107% rule were Italian Andrea Montormini and Brazilian Ricardo Rosset, who both triggered it five times each and received five disqualifications each. Fun fact, the Formula One team most affected by the 107% rule was surely Lola in 1997, while other teams like Forti and Minardi broke the 107% rule more times than Lola, Lola takes the crown because they only competed in one race ever, and both their cars triggered the 107% rule in that race's qualifying and were disqualified from the Grand Prix. Lola folded as a team immediately after. Now, Ricardo Rosset 
was one of those two drivers for for Lola in their only ever race. Pair that with the fact that he also has the longest streak of consecutive 107% rule triggerings and disqualifications at five. And I think all that combined makes him the undeniable king of the 107% rule. Fun fact about Ricardo Rosset, he would later go on to buy his 1998 Tyrrell 026 in which he logged four of those five 107% rules and he bought that car on eBay. He ended up retiring uh, from Formula One after not doing very well and started a, a sportswear brand in Brazil. Ricardo Rosset, really interesting. There's a uh, Josh Ravel YouTube, WTF happened to Ricardo Rosset, I would recommend uh, checking out. Fun fact, Max Verstappen actually triggered the 107% rule once ahead of the 2016 Hungarian Grand Prix. I should note that it was rainy, and this was before the 2018 rule change that made an inclement weather ruling by the stewards mean the 107% rule was not in play. But it was in 2016, Verstappen triggered it. 11 drivers, in fact, triggered the 107% rule in the qualifying ahead of the 2016 Hungarian Grand Prix, none of whom were disqualified. Verstappen went on to finish P5. Fun fact, under the current iteration of the 107% rule, all four disqualifications took place at the Australian Grand Prix. In 2011 and 2012, the Australian Grand Prix was the first race of the season. This meant that when HRT team drivers Vitantonio Liuzzi, Narain Karthikian, and Pedro de la Rosa broke the 107% rule in those years at the Australian Grand Prix, the first race of the season, the stewards didn't yet have enough evidence to go off of that told them the cars would be competitive in the race because the season had literally just started, which is why they were all disqualified. To date, no driver has been disqualified via the current iteration of the 107% rule in any race other than the first race of the season. Thank you so much for joining me for another F1 off-season episode of the Formula Bone F1 show. I hope you like this new episode format where I just spend a whole episode on one topic. Reach out to me with your feedback on YouTube or via social media to let me know what you think. Before I get going, I'd like to once again remind you that you can buy Formula Bone merch right now at bowlingmedia.com shop. There's a link to that URL in the description of this episode. At the very least, go check out the designs because I think you'll like them. I'd also like to cordially invite you to join the Formula Bone Discord server. We're almost at 200 members who are in there to talk all things Formula One, discuss the Formula Bone F1 show, meet new F1 friends, and more. You can find a link to join in the description of this episode. Also, it'd really help the show out if you could support today's sponsors. That's Bird Dogs, promo code FBone at birddogs.com for a free whistle tip football. And MyBookie, promo code FORMULA at MyBookie.ag for a double deposit bonus. Stipulations apply. There are links for both of those in the description of this episode. You can follow me, J-Bone, everywhere on social media at Jared Borislow. That's J-A-R-E-D-B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W. And if you are all caught up now on the Formula Bone F1 show, but want to keep hearing my voice, I co-host a comedy podcast called the Ross Bullen Podcast, where we share a ton of laughs covering a wide variety of topics, including current events, non-F1 sports, music, food, funny news stories, cool animals, insane history, and more, while also diving into some mental health discussion as well. It's a show about everything. It's like the opposite of Seinfeld, but just as fun. You can check out the Ross Bolin Podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. That's R-O-S-S-B-O-L-E-N, 
the Ross Bolin Podcast. Folks, it's time for the NPR style sign-off. The Formula Bone F1 show is recorded in Austin, Texas, and brought to you by Bolin Media. It's hosted by me, Jared J. Bone Borislow, and I also produce the show because I'm a content machine. Kate Orris makes a bunch of the show clips that you see on social media at Formula Bone. Our iconic theme music is by 7 to Midnight. You can follow him on social media at the number 7, T-O, Midnight. You can follow the show on social media by following at Formula Bone everywhere. You can watch the show on YouTube by searching Formula Bone. You can help the show gain new listeners by rating and reviewing the Formula Bone F1 show on Apple Podcasts and by rating it on Spotify. New feature. Would really appreciate you guys doing that. Please. Until next time. J-Bone!